Welcome back, Holligans. We are here once again. My name is Joe, joined as always by my beautiful and lovely co-host, Ryan. Um, we're we're doing The Suicide Squad this time, uh, which is the sequel, quote-unquote, to Suicide Squad. Um, I don't know if I'd actually call it a sequel. Almost a reimagining. It uses some of the same characters, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Would you call it a sequel? Like, what would you call it? I get what you mean. It is meant to be a follow-up, and it starts with some of the same characters, but it's very clear from the very beginning that they're kind of discarding a lot of that and going in a new direction. They're making Waller even more ruthless, more like she is in the comics and cartoons, and moving in a new direction that I think is going to serve them well. It might. Uh this was so the first movie, which both Ryan and I have watched, we have not reviewed it on this channel. I thought it was okay. I don't think I hated it as much as a lot of people gave it garbage for, but uh, this was a very big departure from the feel of that movie. This was wholly its own. Uh, it was under the direction of James Gunn. Yes. James Gunn, the guardians of the galaxy guy. It had really its own feel so different than the first one and not to its detriment. I think overall, this is going to be one of those movies where we're obvious. We're going to have to get into spoilers at some point to talk about a lot of the stuff that I would like to talk about in this movie. But the overall premise is there's a major threat and Waller who is just more insane and, crazy than she was in the first movie. She actually, in this movie, reminded me a lot of the current mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, who is literally an insane person running a major U.S. city. She, that's who she reminded me of in this movie. So, it's there's a big, there's some sort of threat. We're going to hijack these prisoners, these criminals, put them under the command of someone in this case, who is also a criminal and we're going to send them on a mission to try and, you know, fulfill said goal. It was just much more fun than I expected. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. They, I think what I had read with the first one was that they started off with this idea that it was going to be, um, I guess a little bit, a little bit more grounded and serious than what the trailer suggested. And then the trailer was successful to the point where they thought they needed to alter it. That that's what I had read. Like the trailer kind of made it look fun and playful, a little bit guardians of the galaxy, like, and they had to do a bunch of reshoots. And so the movie just doesn't really work. You know, the, just the feel of it. It doesn't feel like it's kind of a fun movie like they wanted it to be, maybe. And I feel like Will Smith took away a lot because he's kind of such a big star. He's distracting. Mm, okay. And he's always kind of Will Smithy. You know what I mean? He is. Now, there, I agree with that. There's certain actors who really throw themselves into a role and you believe them in that role versus other actors almost like a Will Smith or I say a Keanu Reeves who they just played themselves. There are certain actors who 
when a writer writes a movie, they write a script or something, and they think, oh, I have such a person in mind because that's who this role kind of is. So I get that with him. Yeah, and there are certain... And it's not even like a knock against his acting ability or anything. It's just, it's Will Smith and he's such a huge star. It's like, it's, it takes away from the rest of what's going on. Not that Idris Elba or however you're supposed to pronounce his name isn't a huge star, but that's correct. Yes. For some reason it worked better for me in this than Will Smith did in the last one. I mean that his character isn't in it at all. Deadshot's not, not in this movie, but it was one of those things where his, He's a great actor, but he always acts in kind of the same way. You know, his emotional, you know, just the way he can cry and look and emote and all that. It's kind of the same in Pursuit of Happiness, kind of the same in Eight Pounds, I think it was called. You know, kind of the same, kind of the same in some of the emotional scenes in this in well, in the previous Suicide Squad. And then even similar in some of the older Fresh Prince ones where there are these like heavy emotional scenes that they didn't come around too often, but they were there. And in you know, some actors are able to take on different mannerisms and make you believe that they're a different person. You know, they're able to move differently. You know, Samuel Jackson's huge, but he spoke differently and moved differently and took on a lisp when he was in Kingsman. Things like that help. It does. Anyway, that was a lot about that. <laughs> but uh, overall, I I think you're right that this was the movie they wanted to make, or maybe it's the movie they realized they should have made, because I think there was a tonal disconnect in the last one, and this one they really leaned into kind of the absurdity of it. And they knew Harley was a favorite. Maybe they kind of knew that the Harley movie flopped a little bit. I, I didn't see it. I heard it was really bad, so I just, you know just didn't bother and we weren't really covering movies like that we're kind of trying to focus on generally more obscure stuff but we kind of wanted to see what they did with the follow-up for this so and i think i think they did well overall i did have fun with it i liked most of the characters they didn't give us nearly as much well like any background hardly on any of them and it was better for it i cared more about the characters this time than when they did like the whole intro scene before yeah there was only a couple of characters you had Bloodsport, which was Idris Elba's character. You had Ratcatcher 2, a uh, young girl as part of the group. Those two had a little bit of backstory. And uh, the po- Polka Dot, Dot Man. Polka Dot, Dot Man, Man, whatever. He had a little bit of backstory as well. But uh, Peacemaker, uh, helmed by oh John Cena, he might have been my favorite part of this whole movie. There was a point, there's some things I want to talk about dealing with him, but he was the back and forth that happened through a, a minimum the first half of the movie between him and Bloodsport. So John Cena and Idris Elba's character was just great. Was I agree. Absolutely fantastic. It was super fun, yeah. It I, was I, super fun. I saw memes of it and I thought like there's no way these are the actual lines from the movie. And they were. Yeah, they so were. Uh, in this, uh, you have Stallone playing uh, the shark guy. I don't remember his name. The, the oh, my God. Or... Was he the voice of King Shark? Yes, King Shark. He was the voice of that character. It, Dude, and he that... just, 
it was just fun. Like the things that they put into this movie were really enjoyable. So when this movie starts out, they, I was a little worried in the beginning of it. And this is, we're just going to start getting into spoilers. I'm going to say before we even get into that, this is a watch for me because it's fun. I enjoyed it. And if, if you like fun action, comic book, just kind of crazy things. If you like Rick and Morty, you're going to, you're going to like this movie. It was unique and interesting. Nothing super outlandish that you haven't seen before, but a fun movie. And I enjoyed it. So I'm going to call it a watch. Yeah. Very simply for me too. It is, it is a watch. It's tonally very consistent. What the characters do makes sense. The way they grow together makes sense. And it's just altogether a much, much better thing than the last one. It is. And as I said, I didn't hate the last one, but this is so much better. Like it, it really sucked me in much earlier than the last one did. And I like those movies where they bring in a group of characters together and you learn a little bit about them and they have to work together. And I like stuff like that. But this one really did it in just a better way, a much smoother, more interesting way than the first one did. Yep. So when this movie starts out, I was actually got really worried because it felt to me in the beginning like Mortal Kombat Annihilation, where they take some of my favorite characters from the original movie and just straight up execute them. Like, and here's, here's, uh, I can't say it's a huge spoiler because he's barely in the movie, but my favorite character from the first movie was Jai Courtney and Boomerang. I loved him in the first movie. His attitude, the whole, his whole thing, his whole shtick from the first movie, I dug that character. He made it fun. He was just irreverent, and I enjoyed that. And then all of a sudden, he was dead. I actually forgot a little bit that Captain Boomerang was in this. Right? Until you just mentioned it, because he's in it, like you said, so briefly. So briefly. Within the first five minutes, maybe, he's gone. I think it's a little bit more than that, because they do the establishing, getting everybody together before they send them out on this mission, I think. Is how that works. But Gotta yeah, it's real. It's real immediate. And <laughs> they do. They they do this thing. And it was my first thought about this is so Waller has this team with her that they're running the show from the computer control room kind of thing, as far as giving all the information out, paying attention to where the you know, the actual suicide squad team is and what they're doing. And when I first saw it, I'm like, Oh, Oh, this team is subpar. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what's going on. And then you see, you know, how, how it's actually set up and you're like, Oh, they're just like, this is a legit suicide. They're just sacrificing this group here to let something else happen around this other side of this area. And you're like, Oh, that was a little more interesting and unexpected than I thought. I didn't, I didn't necessarily see that coming right away. I was, which I was curious about because you saw the previews, you saw who was in it. And I will say just off tops, Harley Quinn was probably my least favorite part of the first movie. Like I like Harley Quinn from the cartoons. I had no desire to see the birds of prey movie because I just, she was too much in the first movie it was too much of her. And I was afraid that it was going to get that way in this movie. And I don't know if it did. 
I think I actually was more okay with what she did, how, when her character did things, when she interacted with people. I think I liked her a lot more in this movie than I did in the first one. She was definitely a lot more believable in this one. It wasn't just like she was nuts and just doing stuff, which is kind of what it was. She was very cartoony in the last one. Yeah. In this one, it's more like she's got some experience, which she would, you know, being a Joker henchman tangling with Batman and Robin, you know, messing around with the Suicide Squad after that. All the things that she's been through, it makes a lot of sense that she would have these skills. And I like that they have these moments that relate to her relationship, specifically to Flag, without having to talk about it or show flashbacks or do any of that stuff that we've talked about that we don't like. And I was just editing one of our other episodes. It's about to come out where we're talking about spoon feeding people information. Mm -hmm. I like that. They don't do that. I like that. They've, they've done a really good job in this one of avoiding that as much as possible, you know, while still making it an accessible movie to a wide range of people. And yeah, I kind of realized like, I think I like this. She's basically like crazy lady, John wick. In this movie. And what no, else can I, you ask for? Ha, I I think I get that. I don't. There was a part later on in the movie where she did do some stuff like that. Some very John Wick kind of things. And my thought was, I didn't know she was like, you have a couple guys on the team who are like these gun specialist guys and can do. I didn't know she was one of those people. And so some of that, in my opinion, was a little bit unbelievable. Not that it wasn't a fun scene because it was. But some of it got a little bit unbelievable. And even in the very beginning. So in the very beginning, there's a storming the beach scene. And one of the things that really disappointed me about this was in the previews, they show Michael Rooker. And he's playing a character in this. And just based on the previews that I saw, I thought he was going to end up being like some major bad guy, some major villain in this, that they were going to get him out and somehow he would come back to, like, he he would disable the little implant that they put in everybody to blow him up, and that, that he would come back to be a way more major villain. I don't know if I liked what they did with his character in this. Because I liked the beginning, how they, how they set him up, how they introduced his character, but how his character ended wasn't necessarily a fan of it. Mainly because I like Michael Rooker, and I wanted to see more of him in this movie, but he was he was on the wrong squad. So as this beach storming scene is happening, Harley Quinn is running around while there is just this military force, like just annihilating everything. And she's running around through all this gunfire, and I'm like, mm, mm. it was it was a little sketch. But as far as her character. You know, I just said, you know what? We're going to throw some suspension and disbelief in this one. I don't want to think too hard about it because, you know, I can. I know that I tend to do that sometimes. So I'm not going to do that. And I just found myself enjoying some things. There was the character that I know they showed in the preview. This, you didn't even know. Somebody on the on the first airship going in was like, is that is this a dog? Or, and it ends up, it's this weasel, this man-sized weasel. Or something in the preview is like licking this glass inside the prison. But they, they quoted that. They said, 
Weasel has killed 27 children. Wrote that down. Like, so he's killed 27 children. And then when they first disembark the uh, helicopter, whatever it is, they're, they're disembarking into water. Apparently, Weasel can't swim. And his ass drowns. And that was my first thought of, oh, nobody bothered to to realize that about these people you're sending in that he can't even swim. What kind of what kind of show they running over here? It's apparently not a very good one. Yeah. Some of the some of the things that they did, it was just a lot of it was really fun and some of it was unexpected. And I think I enjoyed it just so much more than I expected to. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in Rooker as Savant being mm-hmm. taken out so early on. Equally disappointed in Nathan Fillion being taken out in the same scene as TDK. He he was TDK? Yeah, he was TDK. I recognized oh, I his voice like immediately. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I was like, did they get Nathan Fillion for this? And then he got killed so fast. It's like, oh man, like I was so excited. But it is a pretty good scene. The arm's getting shot and the body's just in the back. Ah. Ah, like what? I'm all like, what is his power? And then he does that. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to. Like he's like trying to like smack the guard or the, the troops or whatever. And nothing it's nothing's happening because of it. As you oh, that was it was some of the, the things that they chose to do in here were well done. Now, this is just like this beginning squad. The only two people who make it out in this beginning squad are two of the main characters from the original movie, which is Rick Flagg and Harley Quinn, which is fine. And this other squad that they send in, really interesting characters. And I ended up really enjoying the team dynamic that they had. As I I said before, the dynamic between Peacemaker and Bloodsport was amazing. Yeah, They just have these little witty back and forth things that they're doing that were... So much fun to watch and listen to. I I just really appreciated it. I really liked it, too. I liked that they allowed that to happen. Like, just... I, I don't know. I just feel like you don't see rivalry like that anymore in a lot of movies. It's kind of, you know, one of them's going to make a fool of themselves. It's not two that are, like, super competent. I mean, Peacemaker is definitely goofy. But he's also really, really good at what he does. Really and he's good. definitely a serious character later on. Like, well, really throughout. I like the King Shark. It's like, oh, they say he might be descended from some, like, shark god. And then that's it. They don't explore any more of his background. Like, most of what he says is, like, om nom. Nom nom. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that so much. <laughs> Kim and I just, he, he runs up to that guy, like, you see through the bus window. And it was nom nom. And, and we both just laughed out loud. Yeah, there were several moments in this movie that I just it was it was so much more fun of a movie than the first one. Like the first yeah. one I think tried to take itself too seriously and I think Harley Quinn was Harley Quinn and Captain Boomerang, they were the ones who were there for kind of comic relief, but this movie just was almost absurd in and of itself. The things that were going on, the things they tried to do, they had invin- they had invincible level violence in this too. Yes. Something that I noticed was it was much, much more violent and graphic than the original. And yeah, it, it had for sure. and it had actual bad guys with actual goals. It wasn't just drop you in with like a bunch of zombies. It might have it might as well have been a zombie movie, the last one, with the big CGI boss fight. Which right, the sky they beam. all have. Had but, a sky beam. 
Yeah, I mean, they all have something like that. But that one was just boring. It was just boring. You're just following them going through like they're mostly dealing with each other, which wasn't fun. This one, they're dealing with each other opposite competent villains, like a set of villains. And the villains have their own goals and their own structure, you know, within their own sort of group and hierarchy. You know, Harley's with the new president and then she kills him like almost immediately. It's like, oh, no, she's she's like totally in with this guy. And he's like, you know, if anybody gets in the way, their family, their children, and then boom. She's like, sorry, I just. I have really bad taste in guys, and I promised myself that if I saw any red flags, <laughs> I was just going to murder them, <laughs> which is a very Harley Quinn thing to do. And when killing I, kids I, just seems like a pretty big red flag. <laughs> pretty big red flag. So when I first saw that scene, my thought is, oh, what is this Harley Quinn stuff? I don't know if I dig it. And she absolutely redeemed herself with just executing that guy. Yes. Which, to be fair, one of the things I want to say is when all the troops run in afterwards and she's like, oh, yeah, I give up, whatever. They would have just executed her. Absolutely. No. Oh, our El Presidente is dead. You're dead. Like, unless they had specific instructions from the guy who ends up taking over the second in command, who ends up becoming the El Presidente. Let's say a specific command that said, oh, if you go in and find so-and-so dead and she killed him. Don't kill her. They absolutely would have just executed her. And that whole part of the movie, her whole part would have ended right there. Yeah. Again, suspension of disbelief for the you know sake of the movie itself. That's fine. There were some other fun things that she was involved in later on that I enjoyed. Well, another big improvement again with her is not making her as much of like a sexualized object, you know, not these lingering shots of her body, not, you know, like she's, getting dressed and everybody's staring at her and she's like, what? You know, they're not doing that. Like she jumps onto the plane. She's like, sorry, I had to go number two. Like she's just one of the guys. Yep. Like she, she's just another character. They don't have to make this spectacle of her. And I've heard that kind of leveled at Warner brothers, DC stuff before that. They kind of have this tendency to do that. Even with, uh, uh, what was it with justice league? I guess. Certain shots were framed in a certain way. So you could look at Wonder Woman from a particular angle. Mm. You know, I mean, it's something you could probably nitpick with any movie, but I just felt like they didn't do that. They didn't do as much of this like, oh, look at Harley in this one. I mean, there was some a lot of that. Yeah, there was a lot that focused on her because she's an important character. But, you know, just it wasn't the Harley show. It was not it. Everybody had their own part to play. I, I it just. A lot of them, they really worked well together. And the scene, the f- the first scene when this team has to start killing people. They're like sneaking into this village full of armed guards. And uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker are like having this competition for killing these people in different ways. It was probably ended up being my favorite scene of the entire movie. Like if I look back on the whole, the, the movie as a whole... That was probably my favorite scene when they're going in to save Rick flag. They get detoured by Waller help. We found flag alive. You have to go in and get them. And so they go into this camp. It was so well done and so many different. And it starts out with King shark who just like runs up and he's, he's been hungry the whole time. He like wanted to eat somebody in camp. And there was a whole scene about that. And, but he just, I'm not, 
and he learns yeah. about friendship and and John Cena is wearing underwear in that camp scene. Don't you can't say that's racist. Don't say that. <laughs> why are you in your underwear? He's like, what do you you know, tidy whities That's racist. Yeah, I love that. That was so it was good. So good. But yeah, they're having this competition on kill. It was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Now the movie progresses along and they, they find out who like the, the bad guy, the, you know, what yeah, they're like going the who's after. Who. Yeah. yeah Cause they, they have the like who. overview briefing and then they have to actually sort out the details. Cause they don't even know what, what it is, like what the technology is, what they're after. So I didn't think about this right away, but as the, over the course of the movie's going on, I'm like rat catcher, rat catcher is just Ant-Man, but with rats. And not being able to shrink and do superpowers. And to be fair, rats are a way more powerful thing to have at your disposal in those numbers. Because uh, w- the numbers of rats can almost equal the number of ants coming out. Because there's so many, like everywhere, especially in little towns like this in the jungle. It's just there's going to be so many everywhere, even if you don't realize it. So I thought that was. That was pretty fun. The little dynamic between her rat and Bloodsport <laughs> was fun. That little, just little, little things like that. The little scene it, at the end where he finally pets the rat, and the rat's like, "Oh yeah, this is this <laughs> is the stuff." That's a that's a good stuff right there. It was. There were some fun decisions that they made in this that really made this movie pop and was more enjoyable. Just a more fun ride than the first one. And even so they managed to make it more impactful by having things happen that mattered, that had consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, when things got serious, they got serious. They didn't insert silly jokes that broke it up. That shouldn't have, you know, which is kind of what Marvel started to do towards the end there. They would insert these jokes into serious moments that just for me told me that they weren't taking it seriously. Like you're not going to get this epic action that you want because they're just still trying to think of jokes. And in this, you know, Peacemaker gets very serious towards the end. They they all get very serious and they all like the relationships between them all really, really Mm -hmm. start to matter. You know, Harley and Flag, uh, Bloodsport and Ratcatcher, Ratatouille, they called her at one point on the radio. Like, and then even her when she hugs King Shark at the end, Mm -hmm. I, I, it, they just did a much, much better job. It's really hard to explain how much better, in my opinion, at balancing all of these different characters and how they interact together. And then the tone that it's supposed to have that it's serious when it's supposed to be, you know, some of it's silly, some of it's serious, even the end, the very last thing that like the big boss says was kind of like tragic. I'm trying to think I was of happy. Which- I was which, happy which floating thing there. About. The starfish thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Where it says I was happy floating, looking at the stars. Yeah, it, it rolls like it never wanted to be on to, Like it was just, it was just happy doing what it wanted to do and living its life. And we like took it, and all this stuff has been you know perpetrated on it, and it's just trying to live its life. So that was its own whole thing for sure. As far as like building up the reason, some of that stuff at the end when it got to be more serious and some real, some st- big stakes were there and you actually felt for these characters because they built it up well. There was a scene when they were riding 
to a club on a bus and there was some interaction between people and it was it was well done it wasn't overstated it wasn't too much but it was well done how you're learning just a little bit of backstory and people's motivation things like that and just other small moments like when they're in the club and peacemakers trying to let's order some drinks and he's like oh, he forgot the rat yeah i thought that was great it was it's like chica forgot the rat and the rat's just then he dips his whole head in the cup and comes up and his whiskers are dripping with booze. <laughs> and I I realized, I don't think it, it took me a second. So when I, I guess when I realized that Ratcatcher, sorry, Ratcatcher 2 was basically just Ant-Man, but with rats, that the guy who plays Polka Dot, the Polka Dot Man, he was in Ant-Man. He was in both those. Hmm. He was the computer guy who was in those. He's been in a lot of stuff. He was also in um, The Dark Knight. He was the guy that Harvey Dent interrogates in that tunnel. Yep, absolutely. He pops up in a lot of stuff. And Taiko Itidi does too. As he, he, yes, OG he was, he was Rat Catcher. The original Rat Catcher. I had, to, I had to watch the credits and I mean, I guess that shows that I'm old. <laughs> I watched <laughs> as soon the credits as I saw instead him, of looking I'm it like, up on IMDb. on IMDb. Let me look this up here real quick because I'm pretty sure I know who that is. Yeah, that's who that was. Just a quick note that I'm not sure you'll probably agree with probably the like chapter titles that come up that are built into the scenery reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of the Green Knight mm-hmm. since we just saw the Green Knight and they have these titles that come up. It was very similar. I mean, it's very odd that it's so similar and we saw those so close together. We've been doing this podcast too long because that's the point I was getting ready to bring up next. <laughs> like swear to God, I'm like, all right. And we'll talk about these transitions they had between scenes. And the very last one they had where it's everything is far away. And you like, as you get closer to it, the things like line up in the right order Mm. so you can see the name. And then it like goes past it with the camera. That was really clever. But just the way that they did things uh, from the very beginning, when it says the suicide squad after, you know, how that happens in the ocean and how you see it pop up suicide squad. All of those. I thought that was neat. I like those. I liked yeah. it in the Green Knight, and I like it in this. It's just some of the... And I don't know why. It just happened to be... I can't imagine that any other movies that we're going to see recently, or as newer movies that we will watch, are going to have that. But it just happened that these two have had it. And I think that's unique and interesting, and I like them as well. Yeah, it's very classic. And I really don't have anything else to say about it. Oh, I'm not I, done. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you keep going then. So at one point, and I, I sent you a text about this because you and I were texting as I'm watching the movie. It literally a thousand percent turned into a Rick and, episode of Rick and Morty. You, like during when that episode, when that part popped up in the movie, you had to feel the same way. I guess not. I'm not, I'm not thinking of what you're thinking of. Oh my gosh. When the starfish were on those people's faces. It's straight out of the episode of Rick and Morty when they go to and they had those things on their faces. Okay. Like it looked exactly the same. Well, that's Starro is an actual DC villain, which it's I been in other stuff before. Case. Yeah. And I ended up, I think I watched uh, something popped up on my YouTube every now and then some old robot chicken will pop up. And it was the DC, you know, universe versus Starro. 
I guess because of all the, you know, the Suicide Squad that has been popular recently. So mm. that popped up on my YouTube and I watched. <sighs> excuse me. Popped up on my YouTube and I watched it. And that was from like four years ago is what it said when it got uploaded. Yeah, the last time I remember seeing Starro was Batman Beyond back in the day. There's an episode where at all. Yeah, where Terry as the new Batman, like they're they like Superman basically shows up and he's like, yo, Terry should join the new the Justice League. Like we need another Batman. And it winds up being that Starro is controlling some members of the Justice League all along and Terry winds up being the one to kind of save them all. That's what Batman would do. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's like, that's what it reminded me of. Cause that's the only animated version of star. I could think of. I actually completely forgot about the Rick and Morty one. I went straight to like, you know, whatever that was probably 2002, which Batman I Beyond. hadn't seen that. I've seen some Batman beyond. I had not seen that out of those episodes, but because I've watched Rick and Morty more recently, that's a media. I'm like, Oh my God, it's Rick and Morty like this. This movie just turned into just a big long episode of Rick and Morty, and I didn't even know it. I did think of it a little bit in like the way Star was talking through them. It reminded me of Unity. Oh, Kex. Hive Mind Girlfriend. Uh-huh. Absolutely. His high minded hive minded side piece. Yeah. Okay, so don't want to like spoil any endings or any different stuff with it really, but there's some things I want to talk about with this. So you end up finding out, so throughout the movie, this is not a super spoiler thing. Peacemaker is all about liberty. He's all about his country and, you know, defending liberty and what. he doesn't care how many people he has to kill to get it. Right? He wants peace. (laughs) Peacemaker, regardless of how many people have to die for that to happen. It's a little bit oxymoron-ish, a little bit. But with how it plays out, it it felt a little bit like a smack in the face to being somebody who's a patriot, who loves their country as an American, and that they take this person and that he ends up being kind of the heel. And I understood it. I understood as far as him and Waller and everything and how it all played out. I understood why story-wise the choices that got made were made, but it bothered me. Because I see a lot of that in a lot of Hollywood and movies and things. And it felt like a very anti-American vibe to me. And I think that's a very easy route to go. I think that's one of those when we watch The Drinker and things like that. And he talks about it's not a there. You know, it's all about the message. This wasn't so much in that category. But I feel like it's a very easy thing for studios to want to do. Because... It's very easy to want to be kind of anti-American right now when lots of the Olympians are doing it and sports stars have been doing it and people who are prominent in the spotlight for one reason or another and they're not proud of themselves and being an American, even though they enjoy the freedoms of being able to say those things. And it, it did bother me a little bit. Not enough to make to like ruin the movie but it just a little bit of it rubbed me the wrong way and it just was something that i wasn't i couldn't talk about this in a podcast and not at least bring that up as far as how i felt about it because it's just i don't know it 
it it really, I guess, it, I think it bothered me the most because of how much I liked that character. All the way up until some of that stuff started happening, like, and even even as it was going on, like, I I, I still I like that character, but it's I saw Peacemaker as a different version of Captain America. Is how I saw him. If Captain America didn't have a moral compass and he only followed orders. Like, that's the Captain America that we got in the show, Falcon and Winter Soldier, when they handed the shield off to the other guy. The yeah. follow orders and not, like, that's that's what made Steve Rogers so great because he followed his conscience. And if Captain America said such and such wasn't the right way to go, mm, you can probably bet it wasn't the right way to go. Well... I I didn't get the same thing. I got a little bit of that, but my my feeling wasn't the same as yours. I didn't feel like they were trying to say anything about America or Patriots or anything like that. I just thought it was more a quirk with that one character that they had a character who is a villain because he was in jail and he thinks he's the hero. You know, he's super loyal. He's like, I'll do anything for peace. You know, I'm willing to kill for, you know, they were giving him a reason for doing the stuff he was doing and dead or uh, blood sport even says, you know, I think you just use that as an excuse to do whatever you want, you know, kind of the way that the polka dot man is like, well, if I just imagine they're all my mother, it's really easy to kill. <laughs> and he explains like the stuff that his mom did to him. So I thought it was just something with his psychology and then the way Waller was able to get him to be her tool towards the end, you know, like the most loyal one because you have Rick flag, Rick flag. That's the Patriot. That's the captain America, the group in my mm-hmm. opinion, because he is loyal. He's the only one that doesn't have to be there with a bomb in his neck. And he gets to a certain point where he's like, no, this is too much. Like we need to do the right thing here. This is too much. Like we can't just blindly follow it. Even the people helping Waller, like that's something that I really enjoyed in this one too. Even the people here in the control room. I, I almost wonder if they took inspiration from the new Jurassic Park movie in having the control room people have some personality. Cause like she's threatening Bloodsport's daughter. Yep. And that one guy's like, wait a minute, what? He's like, she wouldn't really do that, right? And other people are like, no, 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 she wouldn't do that. <laughs> it's like she just keeps doing stuff that's worse and worse. Until eventually her own people turn on her. Like everybody turns on her. I mean, if you wanted to take any moral away from it, I think it would be that you can kind of get so focused on orders or your mission that you can justify things that are wrong. And in the end, it wound up being a compromise. So I get where you're coming from. I didn't personally get that vibe. That's my take on it. I think it, I think. As as we sit here and talk about it, which is one of the fun things about doing this, I did feel that during the movie. But you're right. I think Rick Flagg is the more Captain America-ish character. He follows his conscience through this. He is a hardcore, follow orders. You know, he's a soldier. But he saw enough that he was like, no, this isn't right, and this is what we're going to do instead. And they had, you're right, Peacemaker was in jail too. Like, he was a bad guy. You're not in jail for not being a bad guy. <laughs> uh, and the whole the whole Waller thing with the her her little team in there, the thing about that that I didn't 
like was the one who steps up and does something about the Waller situation wasn't the right character. Like the guy had to be the right character because like you mentioned the one guy, just the one white guy who's in there, Waller, black, black lady. He's this white dude. And he's like, you're not really going to, he's the first one to like say something like, yeah, this isn't isn't right. He's the first one. Yeah. He was the first one to speak up. And then there was like a white girl Mm -hmm. next to him. And they were the ones like, this this can't be happening, and then it's like, right? some, yeah, it's somebody but else. Because the movie itself had already established that he was the one who first thought, "Whoa, maybe there's some shady. Maybe this isn't the right thing going on." He should have been the one to enact kind of what happened that you know kind of brought Waller down to allow whatever else happened in the movie to happen. But they didn't have him do it. They had another black female do it because. I think that was one of those it's the message kind of things because I don't I don't know if in this climate you would be allowed to have that happen with him doing that to her versus another female doing that to her and it be okay. Like people would have seen that and maybe not as been okay with it, but just my opinion watching it, he made the most sense based on what the movie had established to be the one to be like, no this isn't right. And to physically be the one to step up and try and stop that. Yeah. And maybe that should have been how it went. Maybe he tried to like hold her hand back or something like that. And any other girl comes in and hits her with the putter. Okay. Just to be, cause I guess part of it is that guy's in front of her all the time and somebody had to get the drop on her. So it's like a background character, but still, I agree with you a little bit. It would have made more sense for it to be him to at least initiate that like physical conflict. And then like how awkward that had to be to wake up, like knocked out on the floor. I mean, they have a little bit of that where she's like looking out through the window and they're just sitting there and the one chick's like eating chips real slow. Right. But the one who physically did that, like she's dead now. Like, you know that, right? Like Waller is not the type of person to let that go. She's on Task Force X now with a bomb in her neck. <laughs> yeah, she might be. <laughs> she might be uh, on the new Deadpool X-Force squad, but she's the one who hits the power lines. <laughs> yep. I saw that and I'm like, oh, there's no way Waller lets this go. Like she's because she's not. She's not that type of person. Like no. she was literally losing her mind. And I know I said it before. She absolutely reminds me of the mayor of Chicago right now. Th- that's who I saw. She's screaming, ah, do, ah, do this. And she's just freaking out. No, that's who it reminded me of. And I'm like, it just reminds me so much that <laughs> truth is always going to be stranger than fiction. The things that happen in real life are no matter how crazy you can come up with things in movies and ideas and stories and books and whatever. It's just what happens in our re- in real life is always going to be more crazy than that. Well, I'm done. Is that, that okay? That's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> this movie, it just surprised me. Based surprised on how me the too. first one was, I just really, really enjoyed it. This is a fun sit down. You don't have to think about it a whole bunch. Um, it's pretty gory and violent when it needs to be. It's clever when it needs to be. It's funny a lot of the time. 
And it's serious in certain moments, like the scene between Peacemaker and Rick Flag. That fight scene was brutal. Yeah. Like it was brutal the way Kill Bill 2, the uh, Beatrix and L fight scene was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And I just. Minus the eye. Minus the eye. Oh, minus the eye. I see what you did there. That's good. All right. That's good. But this was, this is 100 Holligans. This is 100% going to be a watch. Really glad that uh, we had the opportunity to watch it. And if you have HBO Max, watch this. Yeah. I, yeah, totally. Don't watch it with kids, but watch it. It's pretty fun. I want a King Shark shirt now. This is Nom Nom. That's got to exist, right? Of course, that's got to exist. You so did you really not know that was Sly? No, no, I I totally hear it now, but I didn't I didn't in the moment, and I didn't I look think to see I'd who heard voiced about him. it beforehand. So when he first started talking, I was like listening, like yeah, that sounds like Sly. Not all the time. There's moments where he sounds more like that than others. But even him, even that ridiculous character, that's one of the first things I thought of. Like, who's this polka dot guy? Who's this shark character that's in it? When you see the previews. How is this going to play out? And I was really skeptical. I'm sometimes it makes me glad that I was skeptical because it surprised me in ways that I didn't expect. Yep. I'm looking at IMDb. Sly Stallone, man. <laughs> yeah, that just tells me you didn't believe me, man. I'm hurt. I'm so I believed. I was just curious to see if there was somebody else attributed to it. Like Disney used to do this trick back in the day of having like a different actor to voice different parts. Mm, yeah like in particular singing versus speaking or something like that absolutely i was just thinking that for lots of those things yeah the singing versus speaking i thought the after credit scene was interesting i couldn't tell who it was really at first i re- okay. yeah kim knew who it was right away but it's like Me who too. was that because i i don't know i want to say there's like a glare on the screen or whatever i want to say something other than like the two middle-aged white guys looked alike to me <laughs> yeah which well okay don't want to we're not going to go into any more than that because i don't want to spoil anything more than we have to so as is halligans thank you so much for listening once again this was a fun one this was this was not work for us this was an enjoyable episode to put out this is an enjoyable movie so much to watch and we have to both recommend you go out and, and watch it it's a watch from us yep totally and if you have any recommendations or feedback of your own, you can actually, you can find us on YouTube and leave us comments there. You can email us. We're moviehell at gmail.com and you can find us on Twitter at moviehell. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure I'm all done there, bud. I'm done as well. I haven't done for a while. Good movie. Like actually just a fun movie. I hope they continue in this direction. Yeah, this is a good direction for them. It's a nice to see DC make a movie like this. That is just, in, but it took one of the Marvel directors to make it happen. Yeah. Although, if you reverse that, look at who, what happened with the before the Snyder Cut of Justice League, and they brought the Marvel guy in, and it was terrible. And then, you know, Snyder got to finish it, and it was like it's so much better. So it's not just about that. It's just this was the right was, tone for this movie. Yeah, it was consistent. They didn't try to redo it halfway through. They started with a vision, it looks like, and they went with it. They did indeed. Oh, man. that's It, it was fun. So f- 
Folks, everybody, Halligans, thank you once again. I've been Joe. I've been Ryan. And we're out. Nom nom.